Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Um, today we're going to uh, continue in a series that we started a number of weeks ago, I think eight weeks ago, um, throughout the greatest message that has ever been preached. And that message is um, the message of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, we call it that. And uh, we have been uh, been studying the way of Jesus, following the way of Jesus and what that looks like. And so as we, uh, as we continue that, we're going to be actually covering the last portion of Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your phones or your Bible with you today, you can go ahead and grab it and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll start at verse 43. I'll give you a second to get there. And uh, this is a portion of scripture that uh, I introduced um, in our prayer circle this morning, and everyone started groaning. <laughs> and maybe it's because, uh, because you see it, the title of it is Love Your Enemies. Love your enemies. I don't know if you have someone that uh, you would consider to be an enemy, but Jesus is going to speak into that situation today and how he would have you act as a follower of him in response to what he's also done for you. And so let's, uh, let's read the scripture and then we're going to be, um, be just understanding Jesus' teaching, his better way that he offers us to deal with our enemies. All right, so let's, uh, let's read it together. It says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your words today. Thank you, God, for your teaching about your way, a better way that you offer to us here as your followers. Lord, we know that uh, in and of ourselves, Lord, we will choose to continue to keep ourselves distanced and separated from our enemies. And Lord, that conflict will go unresolved, Lord. But Lord, you, you teach us a better way. And you've taught us, Lord, to come to you and receive forgiveness and grace. And Lord, you tell us to offer that to our enemies as well. Lord, teach us this better way today, and Lord, help us as Valley Church be known as your followers, Lord. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was Dr. Martin Luther King who said this, Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And I believe that as he spoke that famous, those famous words, what he was referring to was actually very similar to what he knew well of the teaching of Jesus here on the Sermon on the Mount. 
And Jesus, as uh, he spoke this message, what we know is that he came to show us a better way. And it was his way. His way of dealing with his enemies. And he begins by saying this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now where in the world did Jesus get that? And, and the question for us is this morning, is that actually in the Bible? Is it in the scripture? Because Jesus, throughout chapter 5, he's had six different you have heard it said statements. And he's either referring to what the Old Testament taught, but also then teaching about some of the ways that they got it wrong. Or some of the ways that they added to, to the scriptures. And what we know from, from God's word is that Jesus was actually quoting directly from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 8. And I want to just read it for you, and I want you to notice what is missing from this teaching of God. It says there in Leviticus 19, 8, it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You notice anything that is missing from that teaching in Leviticus? Yeah. It's, it's, it's what they were being taught, the, the rabbis were teaching in that day, that you are to also hate your enemy. And I'll tell you what, nowhere in Scripture does Jesus or, or God himself teach us as his followers to hate other people. No, um, actually, this was a traditional teaching that the rabbis had passed down during that day. The rabbis taught that, um, that their fellow Jews were their neighbors. Okay, and so if you were a Jew, you were a neighbor, you were supposed to help them, you are supposed to be kind, you know, you, you know, rewind the VHS tape, you know, those kind of things. Be kind, rewind. You remember that? No. Too, I'm too old for you, some of you guys. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, their basic teaching was, man, if, if they're part of your blood, part of your family, you're, you're kind to them. But, man, if they're a Gentile, if they don't believe in the same God that you do, if they, man, do immoral things, if they're known as sinners in the community, you treat them as you would an enemy. You separate yourself from them. You treat them badly, okay? And, and, and that, is, that is what the teaching was at that time. And they, they took it from the Scripture. They thought they were teaching Scripture. But in fact, they had gotten it wrong. Yes, they were to care for, for them, each other as, as a people, as the Jews. But that was not to the exclusion of, of treating other people that were non-Jews well. And I'll tell you, sometimes in our communities, I'll, I'll just, just say this as well, is that have you ever heard of a, a Christian bubble before? Yeah, maybe, maybe you've been a part of it. Who's ever been a part of a Christian bubble? Yeah, okay, a few of you. All right, I'm glad I don't see a lot of hands. But I'll, I'll just be honest, I grew up in a Christian bubble, okay? Where, where I thought of people that were from other religions or that weren't believers in Jesus as being, you know, uh, we don't associate with those kind of people. Okay, and thankfully I've come out of that. I've come to understand that that is not the way of Jesus. That's not the way to treat people. But man, Christians have this mentality that, oh, if they're from another, another religion, or man, they don't believe God at all, um, or, or maybe, maybe they're from a different kind of political party or different views on different things, Man, we, we treat them differently based upon that. And we show partiality to some people over, over other people. And that's where Jesus' teaching right here gets to us. 
Because he's saying, man, I love everyone equally. I don't treat one person better than somebody else. And you're going to see that later on in this passage. Jesus is teaching that, that you're not to do that. Now let, let's just explore the beginning of Jesus' statement, though. The statement of love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. What, what does that mean? I, I remember a few years ago, actually it was March of 2020, when the pandemic hit. And do you remember the common language that surrounded wearing masks, social distancing, vaccination? What was it? It was love your neighbor. Now my question is, is there more to it than just following the guidance of the government? Yes, there absolutely is. And I don't care where you stand on any of those things. I think we put it all behind us, hopefully. But... Uh, Man, the teaching during that time from, from our society, from our world, was love your neighbor. Treat people with love. Care about them. Respect them. You know, watch out for them. But what Jesus is going to teach us is that there is so much more to loving your neighbor than, treating, than just treating people nicely and social distancing from them. Okay, there's a whole lot more to it than just that. And so as we go on, Let's, let's understand Jesus' teaching. What does he then say? Verse 44. His better way is this. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a hard teaching. The better way is to turn back hate with love. And Jesus, if you're asking us to do that, we better have a really good reason to be able to do that. Because I know that in my flesh, I don't want to return hate with love. I want people to get what they deserve. I want to treat them, treat them badly. I want, I want to want to reciprocate, right? I want them to get what they, they had coming to them. But what Jesus did is, in his own love for us, what did he do? He didn't treat us as we deserved. Can I take you to some scriptures? first one is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It said this, and you think about, think about yourself in this. And if you don't know Jesus yet, this is how Jesus feels about you and what he's done for you. It says there, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love that our God has for you. What is love? I believe the best definition of love is that God is love. And there, there's, there's a few different ways that love has been spoken about in Scripture, a few different words that are used. Um, there, there's the word eros, that, that is the, a word for like an intimate kind of love. Um, there's the word phileo, which is, which is a brotherly love, like a bros, you know, where we're family, you know, kind of like, like, uh, like Triple X, you know, those, those, those movies, right? Um, those those kind of things, yeah, we're, we're, we're family, okay, even though we're not family, we're brothers, we're band of brothers. Then there's the word phileo, and that's, a, that's, a, that's like a family kind of love. It's like the light love that, 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 you know, we have for our spouses, it's the love that uh, we have for our children. We do anything for them because they're blood. Okay, and we, we, we go out of our way to care for them because, because we, we really love them in that way as a family kind of love. 
But the love that Jesus is talking about here is none of those kind of loves. It's actually a fourth kind of love. And we call that love agape. Agape. And agape, I, I believe the best definition is, is just, it's just God's love. It's the way that God has shown his love to us. And what we understand is that it, it is not based upon what we do, upon your performance, upon you know how, how good of a Christian you are, how, how moral you are. No, as, as we see in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God showed his agape to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved you beyond anything that you've ever done, and he still loves you like that. It may take you a while to, to get over that, but uh, man, God, God loves you beyond anything that you could ever do and anything that you've ever done. Maybe you feared coming into a church building because there's some people that will be like, I can't come into church, man. I don't know, the, the, the roof is going to collapse or it's going to burn down, man, because they fear God. And, and just know this. This is how God feels about you. He wants to show you his mercy, his grace. Maybe you've been living as a Christian. You're struggling with sin and, man, you're, you're, really, you're really dealing with it and you're feeling so guilty. And do you know God feels the same way about you as he did even before you ever did that stuff? He showed his love to you while you were still a sinner. And that's agape love. It's a choice. It's a love that is a choice, not based upon performance. And that is the kind of love that God loved us. One of the scriptures that we know very well is John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Where it says there, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's the kind of love in which he loves you, giving you the truth that yes, you are a sinner, and because of your sin and because of the holiness of God, that you are separated from me. But Jesus, he came to, to show us a better way and to demonstrate that for us, to give us a love that we don't deserve and to forgive us our sins by taking the wrath of God upon himself by dying on the cross. That is the love of our God. And so as, as we understand this love, as he's saying, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He's not asking you to do something that he did not do himself. He did it for you. And he's just asking you to live in response of that. I want to read one more scripture that goes and helps us understand this. And it's from 1 John chapter 4. And it's a longer passage, but, but I want us to, to hear it. Because it explains then for us how we live in response to this kind of love Jesus is asking us to give to others. John chapter 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, it wasn't what we did, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But this is a key one. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. And his truth is not in us. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Again, some very pointed teaching from Scripture about the nature of God's love and our response to it. Literally, that, that we cannot call ourselves a follower of Jesus, someone that has received the love of Christ, if we choose to live a life that is carrying on hate towards someone else, that hasn't resolved things in their heart towards someone else, carrying hate around. Man, that person deserves the love of Jesus as well, and I believe that's a teaching of Jesus here. And so as we go on to this, this next section, he explains to us then how we are supposed to love the people that have wronged us. Jesus, if you're asking us to do it, tell us how, please. Okay? And in verse 44, he goes on to say this. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray? That's not natural. That's not natural. What, what is natural is gossip, isn't it? What's natural is that, that we want to say bad things about them. We might even say bad things to God about them. I'll, I'll pray for them, but I'll pray for bad things to happen to them. God's not telling you to do that. And he's saying pray for the good of God to happen to them. You know, Socrates was an ancient Greek philosopher, and, and one day he had a friend that, um, that came up to him, and uh, this was somebody that relationally they just didn't get along with, and this friend said, hey, uh, would you like to hear what I heard about your friend? And Socrates said, hold on, hold on. Just, I, I want you to wait and filter what you say, because you may, maybe you shouldn't say it. And so what he, what he did is he, he, he said, I, I want to filter what you say through three, three filters, okay? I have, I have with me three, three colanders, three filters. And th this might be helpful for us in, in uh, understanding, you know, our, our own tendency to say negative things about people that are against us or people, people that have wronged us, okay? And what Socrates said is, he said, I want you to filter the first thing um, through the lens of, of truth. Is what you are about to tell me the truth? He said, um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, I heard it from someone else, and I, you know, I, I can't confirm if it's the truth or not. He said, okay, so, so you don't know whether or not what you are going to say about this person is true. Okay, all right. Maybe you can pass the second filter. It's the filter of, uh, of kindness. 
Is what you're about to say about this person kind? Is it loving? Is it, oh, definitely not. It's not kind at all. Um, I just thought you might want to hear it. And I was like, okay, well, um, probably shouldn't hear it then. So what, what you're saying is you don't know whether or not it's true. And this, this has the potential to really damage this person as well. It's not kind. It's hateful. Okay, maybe, maybe you can pass the third filter. The third filter was this. Is it helpful? Is it helpful? Said dumb. Hey, not really. And so let me get this straight. Not only is this possibly not true, it's not kind, and it's not helpful. Why were you going to say it in the first place? And that was the teaching of Socrates on gossip. And can I just tell us as a church, I've experienced this before, as I've seen gossip rip a community apart. And if we could only just filter our words toward people that maybe we're not getting along with at the time, people we don't believe the best about, if we could just filter our words through these three, three things, truth, kindness, helpfulness, I believe our community would be better off. And I would believe that we would be on our way to doing closer to what Jesus is teaching right here. Loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that I, I get brought into helping people navigate through relational conflict. And, and oftentimes the question that I ask them is, have you prayed for them? You know why Jesus taught us to pray? Pray for them? Not because it might change them. Although it very well could. God can change someone's heart. He does. But it also, in the process, it changes our own heart. And it moves us from this human response to this response where we're seeing that person through the lens of Jesus. And the way that Jesus has loved them first. You know, so, so this better way that Jesus is, is telling us, he's telling us to, to pray for them. Let me ask you, if you've got somebody in your relational sphere right now that, that you don't get along with, and you just can't come to an agreement or resolve the conflict, can I just challenge you with the words of Jesus? Take some time and pray for them. Pray for them. It might realign your heart to the gospel in how you relate to them personally. So, as we wrap things up, we're going to read 45 through, through the end of the chapter. He, he tackles a couple, couple other things. Second, he, he goes on to talk about why we need to love our enemies. So he says, you know, here's, here's how, pray for them. Okay, here's what I want you to do. How or why? Um, verse 45, he says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Why does he ask us to love our enemies? It's because that's what Dad would do. One reason. That's what God does for us. He calls us to love our enemies because that is the way that God loves us as his children. And when we love our enemies, we demonstrate that we're part of the family. So if you're part of the family, choose to follow Jesus' teaching right here. Respond with love.
Jesus also taught on this in Matthew chapter 22, and he explained it a little bit further. I'm just going to read this passage for you, and you will be familiar with it. One day there was a Pharisee that had, had, uh, had, had come and gathered, gathered with Jesus and some others, and this is in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. And one of them, there was a lawyer that asked, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Okay, red flag should go off right away. If a lawyer asks you a question, okay, be careful the way you answer. I love our lawyers that we have here in our church, but, but uh, they know what they're doing. They've got some motives, okay? So, and they're good at their jobs. All right, but a lawyer asked him a question, trying to trip him up. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, this is Jesus' response, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So again, Jesus is just fleshing out, okay, what, what does this mean to love our neighbor? Okay, he's, he's saying, he's teaching, you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. How much do you love yourself? Yeah, you love yourself a lot. <laughs> yourself is usually number one, okay? Um, and, uh, but, but, but he's saying, don't get it mixed up. Don't get it backwards. What, what's the first commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the teaching of Jesus, okay? And so here, here's where we often get this love thy neighbor thing wrong, what I would say backwards, flip-flopped, is usually what we say is, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my neighbor and then I love God. And whenever we, we choose to put those two things backwards, we then don't love our neighbor well at all. Because, because sometimes what, what, uh, what happens is that in order to love our neighbor, we find ourselves affirming them in doing things that God hates. Don't we? In order to, to try and love them, we're trying to support what God says is sin. It's because we've gotten it backwards. We're compromising the truth to try and appease them and make them feel comfortable. Is that loving your neighbor? Can I just ask that simply? Is that loving your neighbor? No, it's not. Because God's love is that he gives us both truth and he gives us grace. And when we love our neighbor well, we give them the truth that yes, I'm not going to compromise the truth in this. I'm not going to go and affirm and support what is against God and His Word, what God calls sin. I'm not going to try and make you feel comfortable. The truth is, we're all in an uncomfortable place. We're all sinners. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. And the grace is this, Jesus came to save you. So repent of your sin and leave that behind. Don't compromise the truth. As, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to compromise the truth in order to love our neighbor well. Actually, you don't love them well when you don't tell them the truth. And God's word, God himself, is truth. And he is the definition of love. And so give them God. Give them his word. Did God do that with us? Yes. Yes, he did. He said, here's the truth. You're a sinner. But here's grace. Here is my son. 
See, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can. And so, um, as we close today, we want to just, just follow up with, with two more things that Jesus says. Verse 45. He says, For he makes his son to rise on the... Let me get back to it. One second. Keep on going in verse 45, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, our love here in this world is based upon merit. If you love me, I'll love you back. If you're bad to me, I'll be bad to you back. Okay, God's love is not like that. He says he sends the sun and he sends the rain on the evil and on the good. And he sends, sends it to, on the just and on the unjust. God's love is not based upon merit. It's based upon grace. Keep on going, verse 40, 46. He says, he says um, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? And he's bringing up some social situations where there's these people in their society that they hated. That was the tax collectors. None of us like paying taxes, but, but back then it was, it was even worse because these tax collectors were their own people who had sold out to the Roman government and were collecting taxes on a contract. Basically, whoever said that they would collect the most taxes got the, got the tax collecting contract. And so they would, they would collect exorbitant amounts of taxes. They would collect more than the taxes that they, they had to give to the Roman government in order for the tax collectors to line their pockets and get rich. And they hated them for that. But Jesus is saying, man, the tax collectors, they, they love each other. And you hate them. They don't know God. But they still love each other. And what's more than that is, uh, man, you, you greet only your brothers. You, you only greet your family members, your fellow Jews. But, man, if, if, if you're only doing that, man, there's people that don't even know God, and they're, they're more friendly than you are. And that, that, that what he's saying is, is that, man, don't be like that. Don't, don't treat people with partiality. Don't treat some people better than, than others. You know, some, sometimes the most unfriendly place in our world today is actually in the four walls of a church building. And I know each of us have probably experienced that at one time or another based upon maybe your first experience at church. Or maybe, um, maybe one of the most unfriendly people that you've ever met calls themselves a follower of Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus is teaching, if you've experienced the love of God, you've got a responsibility to show that love toward others. To not just avoid people that you don't like and treat people, you know, the way that they deserve. No, treat people with love. Love them as your neighbor. Love them as yourself. That's the better way. That's the God way. And then he ends with this statement, and we'll close with this. Verse 48. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Be perfect, guys. That's the message. See ya. No. Um, actually, there's a little bit more to it than that. 
because, uh, man, if, if Jesus just left us, us with that and we didn't understand it, we'd be like, man, I'm hopeless. And no one can be perfect. We all know that. So what's he teaching? Actually, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that he's asking us to be perfect, even though he does make us righteous by his blood. And, and you know, we, we receive the perfection of Christ when we, we receive his, his work on our behalf. What he's calling us to is this, this word perfect can actually be translated a couple different ways. And it could also be translated with the words complete, thorough, or consistent. And so if we read Jesus' words again, we could insert these words into his teaching right here. You must be consistent as your heavenly father is consistent. You must be complete. You must be thorough as your heavenly father is complete. As your heavenly father is is thorough. That's his teaching. So loving just your family, loving just your friends, loving just those who love you, that's incomplete. You get it now? Loving everyone is consistent with the way that God loves us. And so our love should be like God's love. We should follow his example. That's the better way. That's the better way he's given to you. That's the better way that he gives to your enemies as well. It's the grace of God. And so as we close, I want to just read one passage. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And yesterday, if you were at um, the, oops, the wedding for Cozy and Eric, which they're on their way to Jamaica, and we're praying for them, for, for their blessing. There was a passage that, that Cliff read as a part of their marriage ceremony, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love passage, right? And we all recognize this passage in relation to when someone gets married, right? And we, we think of this passage as, as talking about the relationship between a husband and wife. You know, one that's, you know, oftentimes easier to do. But as I read this passage, what I want you to do is I want you to insert the name of maybe someone that's been opposed to you. Someone that's given you a lot of problems. Someone you're in a conflict with. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's even a, a business competitor uh, or, or someone that, man, just treats you rottenly. I want you to insert their name into this passage right here. Think about them. And just hear God's heart in how he would have you relate to them. And we'll close with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Jesus begins by saying, I will show you a still more excellent way better way. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not insistent on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So we read that passage, as you can see, that changes the game, doesn't it? And if you're having trouble dealing with somebody that, that is against us, that's harmed you, maybe that's persecuting you, whatever extent it is that hate is in your heart, I encourage you to take this passage. Take it home this week, memorize it, and treat them in this way, the way that God has treated you. Let's bow our heads, let's pray together. Father, we have received so much from your word today, and Lord, it is a challenge to us, especially if we're trying to do this on our own strength. 
So, Lord, we thank you, God, that you don't ask us to do what you have not already done for us perfectly. And so, Lord, in response to your love, we want to love our enemies, Lord, the way that you love them. And, Lord, we thank you that while we were your enemies, you died for us. You not only died, but you rose again. You're, you're preparing a place for us in heaven, Lord. So, Lord, would you just bless us as we go into this week. Lord, use us and change us. Shape us, Lord, into your image to live the way that you would have us to live, Lord Jesus. I also just know that maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior. Maybe that feels like an enemy toward God right now. And Lord, if that person is here, Lord, would you just uh, just help them to know and experience your love. Help them to receive the grace that you offer to them in Christ. And Lord, that they would just pray and reach out to you by faith to say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. And I put my faith and my trust in you, Lord Jesus, to forgive. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.